The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast. You're more in pitching podcast from pitchless.com. My name is Nick Pollock, and today we're going to talk about the Minnesota Twins as I continue covering all 30 starting pitching rotations in the major leagues in the month of January. I'm recording this at the end of December. The Twins have not made a significant free agent signing. I was kind of thinking they might do it at some point, but we're going to talk about this entire rotation. And guess what? They actually don't really need to. They have five starters that all have a high ceiling. This sure, we shouldn't anticipate all of them hitting it. But if things go right for the Twins, they could have a fantastic pitching staff for 2023. And it starts with Joe Ryan in my book. The Twins might be using Sonny Gray as their SP1. I think for fantasy purposes, Joe Ryan is that guy. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. 13 wins, 8 losses, 147 innings last year, 355 ERA, 110 whip, 25% carry, 8% walk rate. What I see from Joe Ryan is a four-seamer that isn't doing well on the stuff models. I see pitching plus and pitching bots, but still performs. It's always performed well. It's been his thing for ages. We've seen it every step of the way that Joe Ryan's four-seamer plays better than we expect it to. And this pitch was a 70% strike rate, uh, used it 60% of the time, has high location on it, and near 13% swing strike rate, low batting averages on it. It's a fantastic pitch. And I, I, I think this is a foundation that Joe Ryan establishes for his entire repertoire that really sets him to be a possible SP2 for fantasy managers. He also increases velocity from 91 and change to 92 and change in 2022. And then actually by the end of the year, it was about 93. He's 26, could continue developing. I also am curious to see if his velocity in starts can continue. I saw multiple starts where he was 94, 95 to begin in that first inning. And if there's any world where he can maintain that through a game, Joe Ryan is just going to get constantly better with that four-seamer as the velocity gets added, as it clearly is already incredibly effective. Now, with that foundation, it's about what the secondary stuff is, and the slider is really the biggest if to me. If Joe Ryan can develop that slider to be consistently a 20% swing strike pitch and not make the mistakes in the zone that we saw sometimes last year, he allowed a grand slam we were watching the game, um, even that entire inning, he allowed uh, a single on it and then a grand slam to Xander Bogarts. And I've seen other games as well where that slider is the problem. It is the last piece that Joe Ryan is able to locate that down and glove side with consistency, having that Blake Snell blueprint of separation. Joe Ryan turns into a very, very strong uh, starting pitcher. 
could be a big volume guy as well, 180 innings or so. Yes, he did have the injury this past year, came back and was much better. I I think that Joe Ryan could be 170, 180 innings, good ratios, good amount of strikeouts, just a solid get as your SP4 in drafts. Um, last night, I got him as my SP5 in that mock draft that we did. Uh, I'm super happy with that. I feel like he is more, he's safer than a lot of other guys around the same place with that 25% strikeout rate. You know, this is not a Toby. The Toby would be more of a 20%, 21%. And you get that with a higher strikeout rate. That's really good. That's exactly the kind of guy you want to stabilize the end of your rotation um, as your SP4, SP5. So you'll see me with a lot of Joe Ryan, I, I think, entering this year as he's not costing a 10th round pick or so. He's costing more like 11, 12, 13th. And this is the value you want to get. Uh, Sonny Gray is another interesting one. 120 innings last year, 308 ERA, 113 whip, 24% K rate. You can make an argument that you'd want Sonny Gray more than Joe Ryan. I don't believe in Sonny Gray's foundation as much as I do Joe Ryan. His fastballs are called strike focused. His four-seamer had a 26% called strike rate this past year. Low swinging strike at well underneath 10%. Sinker is more contact focused. And yes, it had, you know, low 200s batting average allowed. But I don't really think it's that good of a sinker. Not a high O swing on it. I think we're going to see more damage come against that sinker in 2023. And we've seen in the past that, yeah, Sonny Gray should not be dominating with fastballs. It should be his breaking stuff. And how good are his breaking balls? Well, the slider is not a big swing strike rate pitch like it used to be back in 2019, 2020. These used to be 20% plus 23, 24% swing strike rates. Now, Sonny Gray's slider is 15%, uh, 16%. It is good, and it's helping him get some strikeouts, but it's not this overwhelming breaking ball. Low strike rate on it, about 52%, which is not dependable whatsoever. Actually, 54%, but still nothing close to that 60% threshold that I often assign for a slider. And the curveball was the big difference in 2022 that allowed Sonny Gray to keep his head above water. That is, its strike rate went up from about mid-50s to all the way to about 66%. And that was what kept Sonny Gray alive. However, not a high uh, swing strike rate on it. And I wonder... It kind of worked relying heavily on called strikes last year for Sonny Gray. It feels like he overperformed. Maybe if the curveball does stay at that high strike rate, which was a clear peak, then maybe the slider becomes a little bit better. Maybe he can still get away with these called strikes on the on the fastballs. And it just works. I wonder if it can be back to 419 ERA and 122 whip we saw in 2021. Sonny Gray feels like more of a cherry bomb than he is a solid foundation. Joe Ryan, I believe in more for what he is doing and can do it consistently. Sonny Gray feels like it was a weird season and this should not stick around. He's more um, set up for regression. And there are some other pitchers that are really interesting. Tyler Malley, Ketzer Maeda, and Bailey Ober. I really want to talk about all three of these. And we're going to talk about those after this break. Tyler Malley... I might be targeting everywhere. I might be targeting a lot of these Twins pitchers. And I know that there's a there's a thought about the schedule being worse for, for guys that had a beneficial one because it's more of a balanced schedule so that the Twins aren't feasting on the, the AL Central as much. Fewer against the Royals, fewer against the Tigers. And the Guardians and White Sox are not above average that you should be scared of going against them. However, Tyler Molly, I think is coming at such a discount right now. 120 innings... 
4.4 ERA, 122 whip, 25% K rate. I see Malley in 2021 getting 210 strikeouts. And generally in your drafts, there's always going to be that pitcher who is more volatile, but is a strikeout machine. And Tyler Malley isn't as volatile as, say, the Robbie Ray of old or the Matthew Boyd of old or Andrew Heaney of old, right? I see Malley as someone actually that could maintain a 3.6, ERA with a 1.17 whip. Like, that's that's cool with me. I see the 4.4 ERA last year I as just kind of being a little bit off with his splitter and his slider. He had, of course, the shoulder information by the end. But he's not a 4-4 ERA guy to me. He's out of Cincinnati as well, which is only good news for him pitching with the Twins. More win chances than being 6-8. and eight. And you essentially have a t- Toby with those ratios that gives you, gives you yeah, 180 plus strikeouts. That's really nice. And you don't have to get him as your fifth starter. You can get him as your sixth starter. That's a supplement that you want on your teams, especially in Roto Leagues, uh, where it's not a guy dragging you down and you get benefit. So I'm in on Tyler Malley for this year. I think many ways 2022 was off and not what we should expect. The shoulder stuff was kind of persistent. And I think if Tyler Malley is healthy, I mean, that's really what we're banking on. Great. Was it 14, 15th round? Uh, Yeah, I'll take a chance on that health being there. And if it's not, then I move on. As long as it's outside of those initial four or five starters that you go for, Tyler Malley is a guy I target everywhere. And even more so with Kenta Maeda and Bailey Ober, who are not even inside the first 15 rounds of 12 teamers. We're talking like after the 20th round. And Kenta Maeda is coming back from Tommy John surgery, where in 2020, he was a stud. Everyone could not get enough of Kenta Maeda. Slider and splitter were missing bats. Four-seamer called strike rate down and away from right-handers was perfection. And then 2021, not the season we wanted. 466 ERA, 1.3 whip, 25% K rate though, 7% walk rate. He got a bit unlucky, but really the command just wasn't as good. And what do you know? It's because he had a torn UCL. UCL, I can say words. Yeah, he had needed to get Tommy John. Now, I'm not saying that he is 2020 now that he comes back, but with your 21st round pick, take Kenta Maeda. See how spring training goes. You don't need to hold on to him when the season even starts. If you're drafting in early March, you take Kenta Maeda, you see how it goes through the, the full month, and then before the season starts, you can move on if you think, you know what, the fastball velocity isn't there, it's like two ticks lower, and I don't really like this. The good news, universally for the Twins, they have such an easy schedule to start. They have the Royals, and then they have the Marlins. Likely, Maeda and Bailey Ober are going to get the Marlins. Sure, start them for that first game and see how things go. And we can kind of take it from there. As your late-round pick, it's so lovely to be able to make an early decision and get some value early in the year. Kenta Maeda with that easy matchup, he's going to be at least a questionable starter for me in my streaming tier on that day. And that's the kind of guys you want to have in your roster. You don't want to have guys on your bench that you're not starting in the first week. Kenta Maeda is someone you should be circling in your drafts and you can move on quickly. Bailey Ober is interesting as well. I see him as a potential breakout. He only 56 innings last year, 321 ERA, 105 whip, 22.5% carry, 5% walk rate. I don't really think that we can look at this and say, oh, this is Bailey Ober. I don't think anyone is doing that. It's strange. It's that good 
for Bailey Omer. What I see is someone who throws a ton of high fastballs, 12.5% swing strike rate on it. Get this. He has a super high 67% strike rate on those fastballs, but a 45% zone rate. He gets a lot of O-swing, 36% O-swing on four-seamers, which is great. That limits hard contact. That means that he gets effective strikes constantly on four-seamers. So then the question, just like it is with Joe Ryan, how are those secondaries developing? Guess what? Slider, very small sample, but the slider, 19% swing strike rate last year, almost a 20%. Had a 67% strike rate on that. So those paired up over a full season does speak to that those good ratios and good strikeout rate. The low walk rate is a thing for, for Ober considering he has two high strike rate pitches. It adds up to like, yeah, this should work. The Twins are not likely to push Ober through the sixth inning constantly. This is a thing about them. They don't like third time through the lineup. That's fine. I get it. Ober's a two-pitch pitcher for the most part. He has a change that maybe could be good, but I don't really think it's that good. The curveball is more of a show-me pitch. I get it. But five plus innings and a guy that goes more strikeout per inning. So he goes, what, 160, 170 innings this year? I mean, don't even think of it like that. Out of the gate, he's you're starting him until he gets hurt. If he gets hurt, you just get rid of him and move on. But yeah, you're getting six strikeouts a game with good ratios and a good win chance. Yeah, I want that from Bailey Ober. Uh, I, I would take a chance of that, especially considering he's just forgotten about in drafts right now. Um, for deeper leagues, he's a, much of a sleeper. He would be someone that I would target um, and say TGFBI or uh, my 15-teamers uh, because there is value to be had if Ober does continue with that slider and uh, continues with the fastball. So I'm in. I'm in on Bailey Ober here. I, the Twins don't have a whole lot else. I didn't even really mention Louis Varland should not be in consideration. Simeon Woods Richardson had a moment last year. He came up and had a start, and I was very unimpressed with it. Low velocity, 90 and change. Uh, command was all over the place. It was his debut. I can't really read too much into it, but I don't think it's very interesting. And then there's Josh Winder, who is likely the guy to step in when they need a start of some kind. Probably someone get hurt, and you'll see some Josh Winder this year. I don't think he's worth your time. The slider is good. It's not elite, but it's good. It's why he's a major leaguer. The four-seamer had a 40% hard contact rate last year and a low 22% CSW. And that's pretty much telling you he doesn't get called strikes and whiffs, so he allows a lot of contact on it, and that contact, 40%, right? 40% hard contact rate is just so bad. I cannot trust the pitcher that has that low of a hard contact, or sorry, that high of a hard contact rate. And uh, yeah, you should not be considering Josh Winder for your fantasy teams. But that's it for the Twins. Uh, there is a chance that they make some move uh, before the season starts to add depth to their roster. It wouldn't be that much of a surprise considering you have Bailey Ober uh, returning from injury. You have Kenta Maeda with injury. You have Tyler Malley with injury. You had only 120 innings from Sony Gray. Under 150 from Joe Ryan. Nobody went above 150 last year for the Twins. So adding an extra arm so that's not Josh Winder. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Could be something like a Jordan Lyles-esque. It's not Jordan Lyles because he signed with the Royals, I believe, but you understand my point. But anyway, that is it uh, for this episode of the Plus Pitch Podcast. Uh, thank you all so much for subscribing and uh, rating reviewing us. But I'll be back tomorrow with another team. And that's it for today. So my name is Nick Pollock. 
And may your Babbas be low and your strikeouts high.